Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's episode. I'm going to be joined by Jay Bear, and we're going to talk about how to deal with unhappy customers. And you know what? If you're involved with social media, you're going to be dealing with complaints. And this is the episode where we talk about exactly what you need to know. By the way, if you need to reach me, you can reach me by email at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. That goes right to my inbox. And with that, we've got an awesome new discovery that I'd love to share with you. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, we're joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What did you find, Eric? This week, I'm bringing to you Zoom. It is a meeting tool. And yeah, you're thinking, do we really need another meeting tool? We've already got Skype. We've already got GoToMeeting. We've already got... Uh, appear dot in, and I say yes because this works so much easier than all the rest of them in my experience. All right, so Z O O M, just like it sounds, right? Yes. And what what does it do? Why 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 is it different? Well, why it's different is I have yet to see any of the typical lag time or video or audio crashing issues that we do like on Skype or Google Hangouts uh, and even Blab, although Blab's beta still. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been quick, easy setup. And then the added bonus of you can have up to 50 people in a meeting for up to 45 minutes on the free plan. Okay, so is it audio only? Is it like, um, video and audio? Is it screen sharing? I mean, break it down a little bit. All of the above. It, it's You can have it be audio only. You can have it be video. You can even do screen sharing. And get this, you can even do screen sharing from your iPhone or iPad. Really? So yeah. this sounds like a competitor to go, to go to webinar, really, or go to meeting, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's free. Well, the basic plan is free. You get a, you get a chunk of the you know, features for free right up front. And then there are, you know, there's a pro level that's about $14.99 a month. And then there's a business, which is $19.99. And then, you know, then there's enterprise. How does it compare to go to meeting? Because a lot of people are probably familiar with that. Is it, is it, do you find it's as easy to use? I find it is easier to use. Really? To be honest. Like, I just think the, the UI overall, just the click and get in there and go, like it just... I've had such a, a low barrier to entry, and you you know this. I mean, we're we're using Skype all the time, right? 
and doing screen shares and we're like, okay, do you see it yet? I don't know. Like none of that, none of that's on this. Do you find that this is like a communication platform? Like Skype is a communication platform and a meeting platform, or is this more of a meeting platform? I would say this is more of a meeting platform, but again, if you're just going to have a quick five minute face to face with somebody or even, you know, up to 20 minutes or so just to talk through an issue, like the ease of use for me to jump on even just my phone and then say, hey, here, look at this, and switch over and show them my iPhone screen. Right. Awesome. So Skype has, Skype has the upside to Skype is everybody's on it, and it's an easy right. way to text back and forth, if you will, over Skype. Um, but if you want to have a meeting and you want to have something that's fast and that works really well, then it sounds like this is, you can't beat it. It's free. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, this one, you can send somebody the link to your meeting room, and the code to get in, and you can be right there waiting for them. Now, I'm imagining, unlike GoToMeeting, it doesn't have a telephone number option, right? It's purely all over the internet, right? Right, yeah. It's it's As far as I know, I've seen where people have joined uh, just using, again, that link on whatever device they have, and then typing in that, that meeting's ID. Very cool. So Very, very impressive. So um, where do we find it? Uh, Zoom. Dot U.S. Z-O-O-M dot U.S. And just to be clear, it's a desktop and mobile um, product, so it doesn't really yes, matter. It's, and it's across all mobile platforms and all desktop platforms. Awesome. A lot of people are like, yes, I don't have to pay <laughs> Citrix anymore. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Jay Bear. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Jay Bear. If you don't know who Jay is, he's the author of Utility, co-host of the Social Pros podcast and founder of Convince and Convert, an agency and blog that's focused on digital marketing. His newest book is called Hug Your Haters, How to Embrace Complaints and Keep Your Customers. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you, my friend. Fantastic to be back on the big show. Awesome. Well, today, Jay and I are going to explore how to convert social media haters into raving fans. And I want to start with a little bit of... um, you know, of a story, Jay. Um, and there's many different stories we could talk about, but first and foremost, I do want to share where I first met you. Do you remember where that was? Uh, it was, uh, I think it was some sort of Ann Handley event. Yeah. You were wearing a white lab coat. Oh God, I forgot about that. And it was in Chicago. 
And um, I was one of the uh, first sessions of the day in like a breakout session. And you came up to me and impressed the heck out of me. And, um, and then, you know, throughout the conference, I got to know you a little bit. And there was this, um, uh, gosh, I don't know, table talk kind of thing where a bunch of people were sitting around a table and I sat in and, and I said to you, hey, um, would you be interested in writing um, a regular column for Social Media Examiner? And you said, sure, what the heck? <laughs> do you remember that? I do. I didn't care. I'm right for anybody at that point. No, well, at that point, uh, yeah, you were you were uh, relatively new in the social media blogging space, as was I, and I saw you as this amazing. Back then, you know what I what I thought of as diamond and rough, and of course, you turned out to be something quite amazing. So now I'm just rough. Now you're a diamond. There's no more rough. <laughs> yeah, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. I was so sick at that event too, or at least I got sick afterwards. Um, oh, really? I, well, I got the swine flu. Like that was back when the swine, the real swine flu, wow. and people were freaking out, you know, and like it was going to be like a pandemic and all that. And I was, Ann and I did some videos together at that show, just she and I in a room for like an hour. And then, you know, like that night I realized that I had like the serious swine flu and it was like, I had to call her and be like, hey, I'm really sorry, but I think I may have just like, you know, exposed you to the monkey pox. So it was... Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. It was not the most comfortable call you ever had to make. And that was uh, that was 2009. So, um, boy, amazing things you have accomplished. So, um, fast forwarding a little bit, Jay, your new book is called Hug Your Haters. And um, I want to know the backstory on how did you come up with the idea for this book? And was this the first idea that you had for the book? Yes and no. So, the, the, high, the idea of customer service and customer experience has been uh, very much uh, at the forefront of my mind for a long time because our work at Convince and Convert with major brands and helping them with their social media and their content marketing, increasingly we get involved in those kind of issues. You know, it's not just about being proactive and doing marketing. Increasingly, you have to be just as good, if not better, at the reactive customer service side of it. And I found all these organizations, even really smart companies with a lot of resources, just simply befuddled um, with everything related to digital customer service and and customer experience in the modern world. And I kept getting these kind of questions over and over and over. And so I said, you know, I, I've got something to say about this. I want to write a book about it, but I don't just want to write a book like many customer service books are, which are sort of like, you know, be kind and be thoughtful and don't point. And, you know, a lot of customer service books are, are fairly routine. I said, I don't want to do that. Um, and so I, I conducted a tremendous amount of research with Tom Webster, uh, a guy who we both know from Edison Research, a terrific gentleman, very, very smart and a great organization. And we set out to determine how fast companies need to be in social media uh, in order to be effective in customer service. But what we discovered in the research was that the bigger issue, the much bigger issue, is that the overwhelming number of companies don't answer anybody ever. Or if they do, it's very haphazard and it's kind of I answer people every once in a while. So I discovered that the issue was response, uh, much more so than speed. Well, and this is intriguing because my guess is you probably had an idea in your brain or um, a, you postulated something that, hey, um, speed is maybe what the next topic is going to be that I'm going to write about. You did the research to affirm it and then along the way you pivoted when you realized, whoa, there's something more important than just speed here. It's response. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And Tom actually talks about that. He wrote the foreword to the book, Hug Your Haters. And he said, you know, one of the things that he really likes about the book is that I set out to write a book. I did real research and discovered that it was a totally different book and wrote that book instead. And that's not necessarily easy to do. And I'm kind of proud of that. And I think that's, I think that's something people ought to ponder on for a second, because so often we... And I mean, everybody who has an idea in their head just assumes that this is the issue. 
And we go out and we look for typically examples to affirm it, but you instead went out to do research and then realized, whoa, there's this bigger issue. I love that. I think if more marketers would put on that kind of a research cap and and test the assumptions as you did, and they might make amazing discoveries. And I know that you got a chance to um, to speak about this at Social Media Marketing World. How was the response? It, it was fantastic. And that was the world debut of the Hug Your Haters presentation. And I thank you for that opportunity. Uh, it is weird to do a keynote speech of a book when that book is not actually written. I will tell you that that is <laughs> something that not everybody By the way, try. I don't know if you knew this, but you were trending number one worldwide during that speech. Do you uh, know that? That's good. On that's Twitter. good news. That's yeah. good news. That's a, that's a strong buy sign. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, the response was terrific. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of uh, speaking since you and I have met and, and have taken the utility concept all over the world multiple times. And I got to tell you, the Hug Your Haters book is the best thing I've ever done. And the Hug Your Haters speech is the best speech I've ever given, and it's been refined substantially since you saw it uh, in San Diego earlier this year. Very cool. So let's step back for a second and let's dissect this a little bit. First of all, let's 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 define what a hater is because I think uh, that 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 requires a little bit of analysis. Yeah, for for the part in the parlance of the book, it's anybody who complains about a business either. Uh, off stage or on stage. So uh, an off stage hater is somebody who complains in private on telephone or email. An on stage hater is somebody who complains in public, social media, review sites, discussion boards, and forums. And historically, even right now, Mike, the, the majority of complainers, the majority of haters uh, complain off stage. The majority, and this is probably unbelievable for people who listen to this show, but in the real world, the majority of people complain on the phone or on email, approximately two thirds, give or take. Social media, Yelp, TripAdvisor, et cetera, discussion boards are the rest. But of course, as everybody who listens to you in this fine show knows, that pendulum is swinging very, very quickly the other way because it is so much easier to reach out to a brand on Facebook or Twitter or beyond than it is to send an email or wait on hold. So just to nuance this a little bit, because I know that um, some people have used you know, the phrase like haters going to hate and, mm. and all this kind of stuff. And really, I think in your case, Hater is really just anyone who is complaining. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, it's, it's not, not, it's not people that are trolls necessarily, yeah. right? I talk about those people in the book. I call them the crazies. Uh, but, but when we talk about haters for the book, we really mean any dissatisfied customer. That's good because I think, I think people might say, well, I don't have a lot of haters, but I do have a lot of people that have problems. Yeah. And this is just as much for them as it is for everyone else. Is that correct? 100%. So let's get into the uh, underlying... Um, I don't know if you've done any kind of psychoanalysis on why people choose to complain and, and hate. Yes. But if you have, talk about it. What's the underlying motivation as to why people do this? It's What we found is fascinating, and this really shaped the book, is, is it depends on where they complain. And this is, I think, fascinating. So when people complain off stage, again, in private, phone, email, they almost always want an answer. They have a problem. They want it to be fixed. 90% of the time, they expect companies to respond via phone or email. And I'm sure the same is true for you. Uh, if you call uh, your mobile phone carrier, which I know you're about to do, you will expect to get hear back from them. If you send them an email, you fully anticipate that they will email you back. However, when people complain in public on stage, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Yelp, TripAdvisor, etc. They don't necessarily want an answer. 
what they really want is an audience. Only about 47% of the people who complain in public actually expect companies to get back to them. What they really want in many cases is for the onlookers, the spectators, their friends, their colleagues on Facebook and beyond to say, oh, that sucks. I'm, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Those guys are terrible, right? You want to kind of create this engagement, if you will, from amongst the onlookers. Uh, and if you actually hear back from the company, it's just gravy. Wow, this is really interesting. So just to paraphrase, it's in particular the people that are using social media in a public kind of way to complain are actually trying to stand up on a soapbox and draw an attention to them, aren't they? Absolutely. That's why, you, that's why the things when people write, when you look at Yelp reviews, I mean, look at it this way. If you read a Yelp review, one of the really outlandish ones, you, you almost would never get an email like that. People are so much more aggressive and outlandish uh, in social media and online because they are fighting for attention the same way that you're fighting for attention in your own social media marketing. The concept of content shock, as our friend Mark Schaefer uh, dubs it, is true when you are a customer fighting for attention as well. But wouldn't you argue that there are some people, like let's say I've gone to a restaurant and I just had, the food was just crap, okay? And um, I don't want anybody else who happens to go to that restaurant to have the same experience that I did and I just give them a negative rating and a review. Is that is that the same? Or Because uh, I'm not necessarily looking for a stage in that case. I'm, I'm looking, or an Amazon review. I, instead, I'm looking more for like protecting my fellow brother. <laughs> right, but you are looking for an audience. Your audience is all the other people who might potentially go to that restaurant. You're not necessarily expecting or anticipating that restaurant to, to get back to you. But what's amazing and why I wrote the book is that what we proved in our research is that if you do actually answer that person, if you do actually answer Mike Stelzner who had the bad restaurant experience and left a review on TripAdvisor, and if that restaurant emails you back, or I shouldn't say emails you back, answers your review on TripAdvisor, it has a meaningful and significant impact on your customer advocacy. And that happens in every channel, every time. Very interesting. Good. So, um, so you've kind of hinted at my next question, which is the why question. You know, um, I think a lot of us are scared to respond to certain kinds of complaints because maybe we do recognize what you said, that they're looking for an audience and in some cases they're looking for a fight. Yep. So um, to the businesses out there that are listening right now that are a little skittish to respond to the complainers, especially if they have quite a few of them and you know certain businesses have more than others, right? Mm -hmm. Why should we engage them? And that's that's let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. I break down four or five reasons why that is the case in the book. Um, haters are not your problem. Ignoring them is. And there's multiple benefits to actually answering every complaint in every channel every time instead of what most businesses do today, which is to answer some people some of the time in the channels that we prefer. So, so first of all, if you actually answer somebody, you at least have a chance to turn them around. Mm -hmm. If you don't answer, as, as Dave Kirpin likes to say, a lack of response is a response. It's a response that says, I don't care about you very much. And so you can't make lemons out of lemonade unless you actually squeeze the lemons. So, so that's first and foremost. The second thing is, as I mentioned, every time you answer a customer complaint, it increases customer advocacy, which means real dollars. It takes a bad situation uh, and it makes it better. And the third reason it makes sense is that when you actually interact with negative customers, you learn things, you glean insights 
about how your business is perceived that you can then use to make your business better. I mean, we spend so much time rolling around in positivity, but the, but the truth, Mike, is that everybody is, knows what they're good at. You know what you're good at. I know what I'm good at. Everybody listening knows what they're good at. Having somebody leave a positive five-star review or a positive tweet or a great Facebook post or a blog comment doesn't actually help you. It just makes you feel good. But if somebody says, hey, you're not very good at this, taking that information and baking it into your business and making your business better, that's where gains really come. One of my favorite stories about that is in the book from uh, La Pan Quotidienne, which is a chain of, of bakeries. They're based in Belgium, many locations in the U.S., primarily in the Northeast. And, and their director of customer experience, Erin Pepper, when she started there about a year ago, she said, my goal is to triple the number of complaints we get in the next year. Huh. Why? Because complaints is where you learn how to be a better company. Very interesting. So, um, and that's true, right? Because not everyone is going to tell you the truth, right? And when some person does step up and tell you. They're so valuable. And tell you, hey, believe it or not, uh, your chocolate chip donut is pretty weak. It only has two chocolate chips in it. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, see, the problem is we take it personally, right? And yeah. somebody's saying your baby's ugly. And you've got to get past that personal side of it, which is easier said than done. We actually talk in the book about the literal physiological problem. When somebody criticizes, when they, when somebody criticizes you, it creates all these body chemistry changes and you totally freak out, which is why so many people don't do well in that environment. They, they respond to the blog comment with a, with a blog comment that's really, really mean and over the top, and now you haven't gained anything. So you got to take a breath uh, and, and slow down a little bit. But it's you research. Realize, it's research, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The people who hate you, the people who complain, are actually the most important customer you have. They're your research and development team, aren't they? They're the ones taking their time. They're literally taking their time to tell you what's wrong. And that is incredibly important because 95% of unhappy customers never tell you about it in a form that you can find. So the 5% who do tell you in a way that you can find are incredibly, incredibly important. That's valuable. And I think that's that's like a reshaping of the way we think of things, right? I mean, like when you do get that, I've always said like, you know, we have a pretty big blog and we get some pretty verbal, uh, we get some people that are pretty critical in the comment section. Of course. And I tell my editorial team, you know what, there's always a little bit of kernel of truth, even if they're super unbelievably not nice in the way they say it, you know? <laughs> and, always a kernel. That's right. There's always a kernel of truth. Right. And the fact of the matter is we can learn from that negative criticism, even if we don't like the way it was delivered. And a lot of people don't deliver it very well. And some people are very much make a living of criticizing everything. But, but like you said, that kernel of truth is valuable and that's how you can become better. And that's that nobody looks at that. That's amazing. Um, so let's talk about how do we actually engage, um, the hater and, you know, I'm sure there's a million different ways to do it, but like, let's start with the most basic thing that people can do when they all of a sudden freak out and got a really negative comment. What, what do we, where do we start? Yeah. The, I mean, first you've got to look for them, right? So this sounds 
self-evident. I mean, look, this this whole book probably sounds like common sense to a lot of people, but it's not. Uh, 80% of companies say that they do superior customer service, but only 8% of their customers agree. So lots of people say, oh, I already got this figured out. We're great at customer service. You're probably actually not nearly as great as you think you are. But the first step on the road to hugging your haters is to actually find them. And that's where, in particular, social media listening software and things of that nature come into play. Because in social media, people don't necessarily complain directly. Like if somebody calls you, you know they called. If they email you, you know they emailed. But if they mention you on Twitter or Facebook or TripAdvisor or G2 Crowd or Trust Radius or whatever, you may or may not find that. It's kind of up to you to dig deeper to find all this commentary about your organization. And so uh, you have to find them first. That's the that's the step number one. Step okay, number wait, wait, two wait, wait, hold on, hold everybody. on. Yeah, hold on one sec. Let, let's just uh, listening software before you get to step two. Can you throw out a couple of software products maybe for the small versus sure. the mid? Because I think not everybody who's obvious, people that aren't engaging these people don't even realize such software exists. Yeah, and it really does depend on the size of the company. In fact, I break this down in the book. So for small businesses, you should definitely have Google Alerts set up. Uh, you might also use uh, Mention.net, which is a, a inexpensive uh, software package for small business. You might use a, a free or low-cost version of Hootsuite. Uh, and as of today, Buffer just rolled out a, a new version that is going to include a listening component as well. And as an investor in Buffer, I'll probably recommend that uh, you give that one a try as well. Cool. All right. So um – you said step one was to listen, and then you were going to go to step two. Yeah, so, so go step ahead. two is, is actually to answer, right? Which is the whole point of the book. Hug Your Haters means that you answer every complaint in every channel every time. And that does not mean that the customer is always right. It means that the customer is always heard. And that does take time and resources, right? It's not free or inexpensive to answer everybody. And so you have to say, this is worth it. And I can tell you that it is worth it. Uh, We break that down uh, in great detail in the book. But one of the things that helps you not spend too much time is to follow Jay Bear's rule of reply only twice. And the rule of reply only twice says, Mike, that you never, ever, 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 ever answer a customer more than twice in any public setting. Why? So if somebody, well, because it's a waste of time. And, 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 and so if somebody says, I love you, you say thanks. They say, no, I really love you. You say thanks. If they say, I hate you, you say, I'm sorry. If they say, no, I really hate you, you say, we should talk about this. Please call or email me. If they come back a third time, you just walk away. Do not get brought down into that vortex of negativity because you will never win and you're just wasting time. And they'll just the, use your words against you, won't that's they? That's right. The spectators are so much more important than the hater online. Customer service is a spectator sport. Hmm. So what you really want to do is try to make the hater happy. But more importantly are all the other people looking at those blog comments, the discussion board, the tweet, the Facebook comments. That's the people that you're really trying to impress by saying, look, we do listen. We, do, we did give this idiot a chance, and he's unhinged, so now we're walking away. Interesting. Uh, that's a pretty cool philosophy. I, I like it quite a bit. It works great. It works. I've gotten. I'm sure both of us have gotten in some pretty heated dialogues oh, and blog and comments, uh, right? When I first started to, started to adopt this approach and test it with clients, uh, it, it, it completely changed the way I deal with online interactions. I'm telling you, it, it is it is the best thing I've ever invented. The rule of reply only twice. <laughs> I like it a lot. So um, now now let's talk about like how we should reply. Not everybody's going to just say, I hate you. You know, there might be some more 
nuances to it. And yes. maybe you can even give some examples at this point of what others have done uh, if you want to, or you can just give some you know, general rules of thumb. I mean, the, the, the first general rule I would give is, especially online in social media, is to have empathy. And that sounds self-evident, but man, it's not. You got to realize that nobody is complaining for their own entertainment. Um, you have upset them or disappointed them or fallen short in their eyes at some level. And that person may also be having the worst day of their life. Something right. else could have happened in their world to set them off. And, and I see so many businesses and, and so many individuals actually are probably more, more, criti- uh, more guilty of it than others who just, they take the time to respond, which is great, hug your haters, but they do so in a way that is so devoid of caring or feeling or empathy that it's like, man, you should have just stayed quiet. You're, you're doing it. You're making it worse. Uh, and, and so you've got to understand that, especially in social, uh, what happens a lot of times is that people have already been disappointed and then they called or emailed and that took too long. So now they go to social media. So now they're like triple fed up. It's their last resort, right? It's their last resort. And then you're rude to them. It, it's really unconscionable. So the first thing is to just be kind and human and, and not try to represent the organization but try to deal pe- deal with people on a one-to-one human level because it's a lot harder to be mad at a person. It's a lot easier to be mad at a company. So that's why smart organizations, especially big companies, will, will actually make sure to use the names of the representative and things like that so, so it actually makes it more of a human dialogue. So how do you be – how do you exercise empathy in 140 characters? I mean, what's your you know thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, some of it is just tone. So there's a great example in the book uh, from Shutterstock. Uh, probably most people know that site, uh, stock photography website. They had a big outage uh, earlier this year, and the whole website went down. And and you know they've got thousands and thousands of customers who rely on them for stock photography. And uh, a guy tweeted out and said, uh, you know, Shutterstock, the website's down. Uh, it's it, I don't think it's me. I think it's you. And and they answered back and said, no, it's not you. It's definitely us. And we're really sorry. And, uh, you know, we're going to get it figured out. And they were just, you know, signed it with her name, Sarah, you know, very human, the same way that you and I would talk to one another. She did it that way in a tweet, even though she was getting three tweets a second. Wow. She answered every single person personally with humanity and said it in a way that it acknowledged and was obvious that she had read their complaint. It wasn't just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. And the problem is... You've read this a ton of times. You've published things about this on your blog. This notion that we've got to be faster, faster, faster in social media is true, but that doesn't mean that you should just copy and paste the pre-approved legal response because that is not empathy. I think with this, we also make, need to make sure we have the right people on the other end, don't we? Oh, here's the thing. Man, I got to tell you, if there's one thing that, that I think is a real challenge right now for social media in general, especially in larger organizations, but, but small companies too, and even for people, it's this concept that we should put the youngest, cheapest people on the front lines and have them man social media. It should be grandmas and grandpas, shouldn't well, it? Well, because they grew up with this stuff, right? Yeah. They grew up with this, so they know all that Facebook stuff, and so let's put them in social media. Here's the problem. Yeah. They don't know anything about the business. Yeah. And so it's a lot easier to teach somebody Twitter than it is to teach somebody your entire company. And if they have to go ask somebody what the answer is, what have you gained by putting that person on the front lines? Now, that's not to say there aren't great young people doing social media and even social media customer service. There are. But this default concept that a lot of companies have that we should put the youngest, least experienced people on the front lines because they're comfortable with technology is crazy. Well, if we acknowledge the importance of dealing with each one of these complaints – 
and the 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 ripple effect of not appropriately dealing with them because you know how fast these things can blow up and it happens all the time well, right like every day almost so you know you definitely need to make sure that you have the right talent responding and i think that's obviously a good thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about so any other general rules of thumb i mean like uh other than you know so far we've talked about being kind be human and empathic have the right people any other you know, things that you see people kind of messing up all the time. Uh, if you're going to switch channels, switch channels within the channel of the customer's choosing. And what I mean by that is that in a, in a social media customer service context, in many cases, you, you have to take it into an environment that that is – um, not out there in the open. You need somebody's account information. Uh, you you need more detail that probably isn't appropriate to to put on your Facebook you know uh, timeline page uh, in a public tweet. And so what you find many organizations do because this is how they're set up and how they're trained is they say, okay, we need to talk about this. Please call me or email me. And and look, if they wanted to call you or email you, guess what? They would have called you. Or emailed you. Right. They didn't want to do that. That's why they're in social media. So if you need to have a private interaction with somebody, do it with a private message, either on Facebook, Twitter, Yelp, TripAdvisor, every single online venue has a private messaging function. Don't make them completely switch channels. It is really, really annoying to folks. Give us some examples of some businesses that are doing it well. And maybe even if if you feel comfortable say, look, here's a business, you could probably go to their Twitter feed and see him looking at it live, see him doing it live right now, you know? I, I mean, think, there... had, I think you had Dan on the show recently, Dan Gingas, right? yes. who's no longer at Discover, but I talk about him in the book a lot, and he he really pioneered uh, the customer service uh, program in social media on uh, for Discover Card, and, and that is one of the best examples, partially because you don't think of a financial services company being good at that, right? right. It's just so... Uh, beyond what you would expect. The other one that I use a lot in the book that's particularly great, and you could go look at it right now and be like, yeah, these guys are amazing, is KLM, uh, the, the, the National Airline of the Netherlands. Uh, they answer uh, tweets, about 60,000 tweets a week, 24 hours a day, in 14 different languages. Wow. So if you tweet them at 3 a.m. in Turkish, they'll tweet you back at 3.10 a.m. in Turkish, uh, which is quite uh, a project. All right. Um we know that there are some haters that are extremes. I think I can't remember what to call them. but The crazies. The crazies. I, I think a few tips on how to deal with the crazies would be handy. Because <laughs> everybody's got a couple, you, you know. You handle them the exact same way. Really? Uh, okay. You, the exact same way. You, you answer everybody even if they're crazies because then you're on record uh, as not picking and choosing because who's to say who's, who's a crazy? The only time you don't answer somebody, even if they're outlandish, is if they've done something that is a personal attack or, or a threat, in which case you should document everything and call law enforcement immediately. Other than that, you should answer everybody uh, probably only one time in those cases because a lot of those folks are a little nutso and then you just walk away. What about when we as a company don't respond appropriately and it kind of spirals out of control? How should we deal with that? Because it will happen probably someday for almost everybody listening. I've got an example in okay. the book that is – it is unreal. So this lady in, in Melbourne, Australia, right? So she gets married. Uh, this is like a year ago. And she requests this very special bouquet of roses from this like number one florist in Melbourne. And the roses that she got were not those roses. They were some other kind of roses. She's very big on rose specificity. So 
she was like, oh, whatever, you know, it's my wedding day. It's going to be fine. If that's the worst thing that happens, it's great, blah, blah, blah. Well, it kind of it kind of bugs her every day. It's kind of niggling her. So a year later on her anniversary, her husband orders a bouquet of those roses that did not uh, show up on her wedding day as a special surprise and let bygones be bygones. Well, the roses show up and they, they're all wilted. They're terrible roses. So she writes this letter this email to the, to the florist. And it's this long, you know, heartfelt email talking about how, you know, it was her wedding day and she was super cool about it. But I mean, you're almost like tearing up reading this thing, right? So here's how they respond. One sentence. Do not ever contact us again. (laughs) That was it. That was it. And that just, that just was like a bomb going off for her, right? I mean, she went like catatonic, right? So she screenshotted it, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook. It went viral. And then the guy at the florist who actually said that went back on and didn't say, yeah, I was wrong. said, I know where you live, and I'm going to come over to your house and settle this personally. So he he took it like even Whoa. Two steps, yeah, like two steps beyond. So then the owner of the floor shop finally had to get involved and was like, okay, this guy's been fired. We're totally sorry. This is way out of line. But she did the right thing. I mean, now whether or not you fire somebody for that is your business. Uh, but but she said, hey, we we were completely wrong. We apologize. Roses are on the way. I mean, she you know did did the full damage control uh, that you should do in a situation like that. But boy, what a story! It's it's one of my favorites. So if I dissect this, when you do make a mistake or someone that works for you does make a mistake, then you got to own up to it. I mean, that's the only way it's going to get resolved, right? I mean, and, and you got to own it fast. There's a great example uh, of the book um, of a company uh, that uh, it's Umqua Bank actually in uh, in Oregon that has this policy where it doesn't matter who you talk to or what the situation is, the first person you talk to will own your problem all the way through resolution regardless. It's called the we own it policy. And it's a great, great model for other people to follow. It's difficult to do operationally, but it is fantastic. And if you screwed up, you need to apologize and you need to do it quick. Yeah. And all we have to do is think back to United Bricks guitars, right? I mean, this is the story that we've been talking about for years. They could have fixed it in five minutes. Yeah, instead, um, they got so much bad press out of it. (laughs) My gosh, it was insane, you know? Wow. So um, moral of the story is um, all of us, regardless of um, all of us that are social media folk who have any kind of audience of any size and are interacting with people are going to run into people that are not happy. We're going to run into people that have complaints. And these people are going to express their discontent publicly. And um, your suggestion is to give them a virtual hug. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely right. So, because, so, go ahead. Because, you know, and look, we all know, everybody knows, in the first day that you operate in social media or in business, you know that it makes way more sense to keep the customers you have, to keep the readers you have, to keep the podcast listeners you have, to keep the email subscribers you have. It makes way more sense to keep the people you've already convinced than it does to go out and have to constantly get new people, right? I mean, everybody knows that, but we don't actually operate that way. $500 billion a year are spent on marketing and $9 billion a year are spent on customer service. And that is insane, right? It doesn't make actually any sense at all. And so we have to, we have to understand the value of somebody who's already on our tribe and be a lot less quick to say, well, if that guy doesn't like me, screw him. They're out. Absolutely. 
Well, Jay, um, I think this has been awesome. I want you to tell people where they can pick up a copy of Hug Your Haters. I know it doesn't officially drop until like March or April. Is that right? Uh, March 1st is the official uh, release date. But I I convinced my publisher to do a special thing. So if you go to HugYourHaters.com and you buy the book from me there, it's a great price, less than 20 bucks. um, You can get access to the book digitally immediately. So you can get the book weeks and weeks and weeks before it actually comes out. And... If you buy multiple copies, there's all kinds of special stuff. So there's a Facebook group. Um, there's special conference calls with me to help your business figure this out. There's special socks that that say I love haters on the socks. Uh, if you buy a couple of copies of the book, every single copy of the book uh, has a poster in it called The Hatrix. It's actually a poster that pulls out of the book and goes on your wall to tell you all the key principles of how to handle haters in the moment. So I'm really, really excited about it. It's a first-class production. Uh, we've already had a ton of people buy books in advance so uh, hopefully uh, your listeners will take advantage of that special offer so hugyourhaters.com is where you can get an advanced copy of the book can you can you buy an electronic and a print copy and get the print copy mailed to you later Oh, yeah, that's, that's how it works. So you can't okay. buy the electronic copy by yourself. So you buy a print copy, ah. you get the electronic copy right now, and I send you the print copy and the poster when it comes out. Perfect. And everybody that's listening, bring your copy to, to Social Media Marketing World, yeah. and Jay will sign it, right, Jay? Bring your socks. We're going to have an I Love Haters sock party. Awesome. Jay Bear, author of the brand new book, Hug Your Haters, uh, and a good friend of mine. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. Jay always delivers the goods. If there's anything we mentioned, like any tools or resources, we took all the notes for you in a very detailed blog post that you can find at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 180, which stands for episode 180. Also, if you're new to the show, don't miss a future episode. We've got some amazing content lined up for you. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast player. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.